there, I'm Hiba Shunbo and welcome to Mommy's Happy Hour. I'm joined today in the flesh by my friend Naila Halawa. This is the first episode for me that I was finally able to record in person since I actually started the podcast. Well, besides my husband, obviously, since he lives with me and he's always in my space. As you know, with 2020 being such a bizarre year with social distancing, I was really happy that I finally got to have some human interaction. So I'm really glad she accepted to come over for her interview. Naila was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder when she was 24, which brings with it its own complications. We spoke about how she copes with it and how it affected her decision to become a mother. We also got to comparing notes about how our husbands have responded to parenthood. And we came to the lovely realization that we've turned into our own mothers. Shit, how did that happen? So I was wondering, like, if you can give me a little bit of background about your disorder, because I don't know it. And also, how did it affect you and your decision to have kids or not? Did it have any effect on you or not? With autoimmune disease, there are like 80 different kinds. So you really have to figure out which kind you have. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know much about it. So they look at your test results, they look at what you complain about, and then they kind of diagnose you with either two or three or one. So I have lupus. Um, lupus affects my joints. So it was hard for me to walk at some point, uh, open doorknobs, I couldn't squeeze a lemon. This is when I started noticing my body was like against me, something was wrong. And then he told me, depending on how bad your lupus is, or if you have rheumatoid arthritis, they couldn't figure out which one I had, you won't be able to have kids, or you won't be able to sit in the sun, or we're going to have to give you chemo. I'm lucky enough that it was mild and that they got it under control without giving me chemo. So I'm on hydrochloroquine, which everyone now in 2020 knows. Okay, but yeah, I've been on it because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, so I've been on it since 2011. Uh, a year ago, I got on cortisone, but I think it's because I had kids. That you uh, had to take cortisone? Yeah, because what happened is... If I sleep eight hours a day and I work out and I eat healthy, it's under control with taking hydrochloroquine. But, um, and I was worried after I got married um, that I would have trouble having children and I wasn't really sure. So I went to a few doctors, we were living in London and I got a lot of information and it wasn't very exciting information. So um, I read a lot about it and I didn't push me. We were married for a year and I said I was ready and he said he was ready. So we how tried. Old did, how old were you when you got I married? Was, I was 28 when I got married. I had my son a month before I turned 30. Okay. So you had been living with your autoimmune disorder for a few for, years. For a few years. I had it under control. If I overdo it, if I go out too much, if I'm not getting enough sleep, it, I just get a flare and that would make me, I could lay in bed for like a week or two and it's just hard for me to walk and, and, and things like that. It has affected me. So I was lucky enough that it didn't affect my pregnancies. It so you didn't have a tough pregnancy because of it? In the beginning, not. I noticed with my second one that it affected my first one. I don't know how to say it, but I was lucky enough to take hydrochloroquine. And then they told me when you get pregnant, your body builds steroids. And that's going to help you. So actually during pregnancy, it's actually been a f- it was good better. for you? I had less pain. I had pregnancy pain, okay. but I had less pain. You wake up in pain. In general, I live with pain. The second pregnancy, I noticed that the first one had to do a lot with my lupus. But in London, they didn't inform me of this. My son um, didn't gain weight uh, for a week and then started losing weight at about 37 weeks into my pregnancy. Um, and... She told my doctor said, you know, go away for three days, come back. Let's see if he's gaining weight. He wasn't. 
And they had told me the whole time he'll come out 3.2. My son came out 2.5. And in my stomach, he was 2.7 at some point. So in and this was the effect of... This is effect. So what happened to me, and I learned that the second time around with my daughter, that they, uh, a doctor I went to here in Egypt actually told me, did you have any problems giving birth? Did you have any problems? He said, no, no, everything was fine. He's like, how? You're, uh, you're basically, your placenta starts to de- degrade and like your amniotic fluid gets less and your umbilical cord starts to erode. So it's oh. not sending food to my kid. And that's why they either stop gaining weight. My son lost weight. My daughter stopped gaining weight. He took her out really quick. So before she starts losing you had, weight. You had, did you I have had a natural a, childbirth? The first, first one was natural in London. The second one was cesarean. I wanted a cesarean the first one. Okay. And I got bullied into doing natural, which was really tough because I had no amniotic fluid. I couldn't push him out. Oh, God. So that I just spent painful. the whole time apologizing to the doctor and then my my husband bent down he said you need to stop apologizing because she was yelling at me that i couldn't push him out but when i gave birth the second time told me that was the worst thing they put you in danger they put the baby in danger you should not have been giving birth naturally oh my god so like i was traumatized by my birth the first time i can't even look at pictures of how much pain i was in and like everything that happened i don't want to scare any other mothers who are not Oh my God, that must have been awful then. Yeah. But my second one, I was like enjoying. I was like thanking the doctor the whole time. It was wonderful. I was so excited. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed my cesarean. Oh my God. You know, I, I, I was, this is funny. I kind of like the whole natural childbirth thing. I like the whole idea. You know how we yeah, kind yeah, of glamorize yeah. it's romanticized. It. Exactly. So when I decided when we, I was pregnant with twins and I was, I got pregnant at 41, right? So my doctor is my IVF doctor. So he was following up with me every like month. He'd see yeah. me. And then as I got closer, he's like, uh, uh, he doesn't deliver actually. Okay, he, so you have to but go to someone else. he wanted else. me to deliver. He wanted to deliver me actually. Okay. So when he told me this, but he told me this later on, but you know how Egypt is. He didn't inform me at the beginning. So everything's kind of haphazard. I was seeing some, another doctor that was going to deliver me. Yeah. And then... At some point, I felt like I was two-timing my doctors because I was like, oh shit, but... I now have to pick one. I now have to pick one. And my IVF doctor, of course, because he was with me and through like a lot of shit. So, and he was so nice and he was so... But you were not nervous that this is not his daily thing? That this is what he does? I know he used to do that. I know he did for a while. So when he told me that, I was like, kind of like, he's such a nice guy. And I really feel like, so like, you know, connected to him. And so, and I said, and I said, shit... How do I tell my other guy no? And it was so funny because as I got You're towards really the end, two people. oh my God. And then my other doctor, I kept on like thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so my other doctor was asking my, about me because I know him too, my other doctor. Yeah. Oh, so, so you know them both and it's Egypt and it's a small home. And they probably you know, know one another. Yeah, they know each other probably. So finally I decided to go with my IVF doctor. And uh, oh my God, I told my other doctor, it's like literally, I told him like at the very last minute. So you're I told him like him really at the worst time. I told him like probably a month before I was kind of due, and and I kind of blamed it on my husband. You know, like it's the not me, it's you thing. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, not yeah, you, yeah. it's me. So I was like, oh shit. So of course he he kind of was upset with me, but my IVF doctor going back to the whole childbirth thing. So I went to my IVF doctor and I was like, listen, he's like, listen, you're due on. I think if I was full term, as twins, obviously you're less, you're, you're earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full term, you would deliver probably, I, I, he said 30th of Jan or something like that. 
but uh, probably 16th of January because, you know, you have twins. I don't know what. So that's around then. So shall we book it for then? I said, sure. Yeah, let's wait until we get closer to the date. Then as we got a little closer, I was like, um, you, realize you're you know birth what? Cesarean? No, I was like, this is going to be C-section, right? He's like, oh, yeah, of course. All, every, all multiple pregnancies are C-section. Yes. So I said, okay. And he's like your age and all of that. He's like, it's not really an issue, but you know, we prefer just to be on the safe side. So I went to him one day and I was like, you know what? I've decided I'm going to do a natural childbirth. And he just burst out laughing. He cracked up. Like I did right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to politely not doing it in the mic. I can see it. But anyways, so he cracked up. I was like, I was like looking at him. I was like, kind of like insulted. I was like, what's so funny? And he's like, fine, sure. Do you think you can handle childbirth naturally with twins? I was like, God, do I look like that much of a pussy? And I was like, yeah, I think so. But he's like, okay, sure. Go ahead. Call me when, you're, when you, your water breaks. I said, okay, cool. Two weeks later, we were we were at a dinner. This was the 16th of Jan. Okay. So that was my due date. Okay. I was massive. At that point, I had to carry my belly to like, it was constantly squeezing on my and bladder. And painful. And painful. But I was kind of at that point getting apprehensive about giving birth and having twins and having to take care of them. For me, I felt like the belly is like, let me hold it, off a yeah. little bit longer. And we were at a dinner party and I remember just breaking into a sweat and I felt, I hate to say this, but I had like this, like, I felt like I got like gas and I couldn't, I could almost not control it. I said, oh my God. So I said, I need to go to the bathroom. I just, I called him that night. I said, when are we doing the C-section? I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to embarrass myself. But I said, I am going to do a C-section. So we booked it for the last, next week. He was like, oh, I have my girlfriend in town. I don't know what. So can we please not do it? I was Doctor like, seems real cool. Yeah, he's really cool. So I was like, okay, okay, let's do it on the 23rd. So we booked it for the 23rd, but it was hilarious. And I was like, after I did, I was like, what was I thinking? Thinking of actually doing natural childbirth. Natural for me. I feel like I didn't answer your first question, but I'm going to keep going with this. So natural for me, if I'm going to compare, and I feel lucky enough that I did both. Yeah, that's so great. I had to, they needed to get him out. He was losing weight. So she said, we're going to, um, oh my God, what was Induce? That? Induce me. And so I said, okay. And I went, and then when I got to the hospital, like, you know what? You're one centimeter dilated. I'm like, great. I'm 38 weeks. I'm one centimeter dilated. All right. Took so long. I was like three centimeters dilated by the time they induced me. And then... The guy comes in and I'm terrified of needles and he's going to give me an epidural. That is literally, I lost, I lost all cool. I'm like crying. I see how big the needle is. I was like, I, I looked at myself and I said, I didn't ask for it. Like, I'm going to ask for it. I know I'm going to ask for it, but I just want to feel the contractions first. The guy laughed at me, the doctor, and he said, you're being induced. When people get induced, they have the epidural. It just happens. Like, they both come together. This is, he's like, you're going to be in more pain than if it was natural. And I had no, I, no one told me this. I took a baby class. Okay. Like I did everything. No one told me this, that if you get induced, it is more painful than natural. So I wanted to feel it. I let the epidural die down, but no one told me I was not supposed to let the epidural die down. So when my midwife started saying that, okay, you're screaming, you're not supposed to be feeling anything. She's like, you weren't supposed to let the epidural die down. So it took about three or four hours for them to, they kept giving me epidurals, but it wasn't working and it only worked. So like there's four or five hours. I'm like, 
Um, I'm just screaming my head off. And then it came time to push. I'm 10 centimeters dilated and the epidural kicks in. And it's the wrong time because you don't feel when yeah, you're so supposed you can't to push. push anymore. So now I can't push. Like it just, everything was just, you know, and it's going that wrong. That sounds like an awful experience. And then I kept just girl. apologizing to the doctor and I don't know how to push. It's my first child. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. I can't feel anything to figure out how I can push. And then at one point she just looked at me and she's like, I can't even do a cesarean now. The baby's too low. Like she's freaking out. And in London, you just have your, and I'm private and I have my doctor and my midwife. I looked at my husband, I'm like, what's happening? Was he there? My husband, yeah, was there. In the room? With me. Yeah, yeah. I wanted my husband with me in the room. Oh, that's so sweet. He calms me down. And, or I can yell at him and say bad words. Hmm. But, um, and my mother didn't realize it's not Egypt and that I was giving birth in the room I was admitted in. Okay. Okay. In Egypt, even if you give birth naturally or cesarean, you go into the operating, operating room. room. No, I'm in the same room. And she picked the chair, the only chair that's across. Oh my God, she, she was in full view? She was in full view, that poor woman. And she was natural. She saw it all. She was texting my sister going, I'm going to die. Like, what's happening? And I could see her covering her eyes with my hand. All I kept saying is apologizing to the doctor. Like, mommy, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And I was really not okay. You know what I mean? So I felt really bad for everyone in the room. And then finally that kid came out with forceps. But he came out, which was great. Then the epidural died down and I had an episiotomy and I got stitched awake. Oh my that God. That for me was traumatic. The, the rest of the time was not traumatic. Like you forget the pain of your contractions. You forget yeah, that. Yeah, you do. You do, not get, you do not forget being stitched up. Oh my God. So that's why like the second time around, I'm like this is common out cesarean. Like I'm done. I'm surprised that you actually went for a second one after it that experience. It was a mistake. Uh, best mistake of my life if my daughter ever hears this, but she's by mistake. But okay. best mistake. What's the age difference between two, two years, four months? So yeah, so did it affect your pregnancy, but towards the end that your it did affect story. my par- uh, pregnancy towards the end, and I think it affects me now that I have kids because yeah, I was you don't sleep you, through the night for a while. Okay, so it gets me exhausted, and I'm I constantly have interrupted sleep, so that doesn't help me, and um. I, now that my son is four, I also grew up with a mom who had autoimmune. So now when he's four and he's like, mom, you're in bed. Why are you still in your pajamas? Are you tired again? Are you tired again? That emotion this year is affecting me. Like I'm, I'm upset. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause I'm the kind of girl I will get up when I'm in pain, but there are some days where my body needs to crash and I kind of need to let it go. Um, but it's just annoying to kind of see my son starting to realize that I'm tired, that I'm in bed, or I'm like slopped on the couch and I can't get up to play with him. So I'm noticing it more the older he gets that he's noticing it. Is it worse now as he's gotten older or no? It's just that it's, it's more demanding that you kind of have to interact with Basically, them more. Basically, when you give birth, you have a 50, a flare is like a bit coming back. So you, you have a 50% chance of a flare after birth because you're exhausted, you're tired, you're not yeah, sleeping, yeah, yeah. you're not eating correctly. Like, with my son, I got help the first three months in London. I got a nurse. I didn't have a mom, didn't have anyone helping me. I didn't have anything. So my mom's gift to me was a nurse. Best gift ever. So and you I, got to sleep. I got to sleep. I got to sleep during the week, but you're a new mom and it's your first child. You're I was just going to tell it. you that. You're By the way, up. everybody told me you have to have a night nurse. And I got a night nurse. 
But it didn't because, like you said, because it was my first time being a mother, obviously, I was paranoid and I was like a, a, like, I was like a paranoid freak. The only thing that helped me, you had two, so it's different. Like, I knew that she could manage one and I would keep the monitor by my bed. So it's like, I'm asleep, but I'm there. I was in London. My nurse was sent from heaven. Like, she is an angel. Love you, Dorcas. Will remember you for the rest of my life. She taught me everything. I love her. From Uganda, the best woman I've ever met. I had an Egyptian nurse here. She was great. She stayed with me longer. Uh, but no, I did not trust. Like, I trust, but like sometimes I go up and wake her. You know what I mean? So the monitor is in my ear and I'm trying to get my sleep, but I'm not getting my sleep. I was paranoid and I was also, I felt really bad. I felt like I was being a bad mom by just zonking out all night. I couldn't. It's like I, I couldn't. So I would get up. And of course, there were a couple of times when I found her asleep, yeah, yeah. holding one of them and completely asleep. Yeah, no, no, happened. I freaked out. The good thing that happened is like, I had my husband, I was like, you fucking stay up. And he used to stay up late anyways. And I'm, I, I sleep early. So I was like, you fucking stay up. And so it was kind of like on the shift. So like the overlap was like an hour or two yeah. maybe. So I was okay with that because it was during a time when they weren't being fed or anything. So it was yeah. okay. But no, no, I was, I went into complete paranoia and like like i went on like into a meltdown when i saw her like asleep with one of them in her arms i no, said oh I, I totally, shit i totally understand i found her once like also in bed i'm like no no my, my daughter sleeps in bed like i have lupus i do not rock my children i do not hold my children to sleep my arm hurts and i'm lucky enough to actually have a husband like in london i used to get tired because i had no no you know there were days where i tell my husband you can't go to work today like i physically can't carry him and bathe him my yeah. arms are not working. And he was nice enough to stay home. He had a little office. He'd work. And like six o'clock bath time, he's helping me bathe the baby because I, I can't carry him. Like, and that was the biggest thing when I got both the nurses was I, you cannot rock a baby to sleep. You cannot hold this baby to sleep. You need to put the baby and the baby needs to settle from day one. Like if I need to function in London and clean my house, cook, do my errands, have no help, no family to call when shit hits the fan. I need this baby to settle nicely. And he was the most amazing baby. Seven to seven, three months. Wow. Sleeping through the night. It was a godsend. My daughter was a different thing, but I had a lot more help here. You got to experience, okay, now you got to experience both natural childbirth and C-section. And you also got to experience having your first in London on your own with your husband. Yeah. And you have got the experience with your daughter here in Egypt when you have like everybody, everybody. Is in your fucking business. Like everybody helps out. It's great. But I found it to be fucking draining. The first year and a half, I wanted to kill everybody. I wanted to kill everybody. Now, I have to admit, after, now that they're almost three, actually now it's amazing. Yeah. Two and a half, starting from two and a half, I thought it was much easier because also... The extra help now is great because now I get to go and if I want to go out, I'll be like, okay, mom, can you come babysit them? I'm not like a paranoid freak. The the porter would tell me what to do. The the, the porter? Oh, the neighbor. I was, no, no, you know, the police officer in the street once told me, came to me and gave me a lecture. I was like, oh my God, this is just the fucking twilight zone. So I remember thinking... First of all, I was exhausted because I had to have help with two with no, you twins. Have to have help. Are you you have to have people helping you out. I cannot, no, I cannot no. physically no. do it on my own. And uh, but no, no, it was I was exhausted. I was trying to figure it out on my own, and at the same time, I was getting 
and all different conflicting advice, by the way, mind Oh, no. Everybody Egypt, has, you're never going to get the same advice. Everybody has different person. advice and everybody's no, no. advice is golden. Everyone. And they change their opinions. Oh, yeah, that's true. It just depends on the time and the day and, and the circumstance of your babies are crying or not crying. So then you'll get that kind of advice. Yeah. So what was the difference for you? I loved giving birth in London, having my first child. I was very aware that if I was living in Egypt, that was what's going to happen to me. Also, I'm very set in my ways. I like to do things my way. I'm anal, I'm OCD, and I do not like people in my business. You know That's what I good. mean? Like, and, and my mother and I are, are exactly the same, and we have friction most of the time. She's right. I cannot deny it. But when she offered to get me the nurse, I was like, yeah, but we can't have a f- conflicting opinions. But my sister had given birth before me, and she's, her child now, her oldest is, 15. Wow. So my, my son is four. They're like 11 years apart. Um, so my mom had done all this with her and I, and I saw it and she did a great job. My, my, my sister's kids were on a routine. My mom really helped. She was really hands on. So when I was thinking, and in London, it's, it's normal to get a maternity nurse. Like I didn't feel bad about it. I actually felt worse in Egypt. I didn't feel bad in London. And when I called my sister and I said, what do you think if I get a maternity nurse? She's like, you get a maternity nurse. And I was terrified about my sister's reaction because she did it alone. She did it without the maternity nurse. She did it with my mom. She, did, she stayed a month and then she'd move with the second one. She refused to come to my mom's house. So when my sister's like, no, no, you need it. Like you have lupus, you're in London, you have no family, you cook, you clean, you're OCD in itself and you're going to be exhausted. So that comforted me, like that support that I got from my sister and she's older and always tells me, like tries to tell me what to do, but like, I just felt like so relaxed and I felt less of, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm not gonna be a bad mom because my sister is a great mom. Yeah. And I was just so happy she said that. And, and then my mom was so encouraging about it, but I told her like, you're coming to London too. Like, I can't have you and the nurse saying different things. And she was like, no, you can follow her. I'm fine with it, you know? And I felt that she was at an age where she wants to come enjoy it. She doesn't wanna come- do the work. No, and I didn't have the nurse for the first few days after the hospital, and I would call my mom at 5 a.m. She was staying at her best friend's house because our apartment wouldn't take us all, and she was there at 5.30 in the morning. Wow. And she knew she had cancer and did not tell me. Oh, my God. And she was dealing with knowing that and finding that out that week or two weeks before. She found out in London while she was with me, and she was there at 5.30 in the morning. She's so hardcore. Yeah. She was amazing. She I think Egyptian amazing. mothers are so annoying, and, but they're amazing. They're fierce. They're good. They're yeah, fierce. Yeah, they, they are. They are they're strong. They're so strong. They go through so much, and it's a lot to live up to because yeah. you can't be weak. You, I, I don't know any of my friends who has a weak mom. They're all tough cookies. They've gone through their divorces. They've gone through their problems. I they've know gone they've through all their gone sickness. through divorces, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, <laughs> they have like a little divorce club. Um, they're living their lives. They're going out with their friends. They're... No, and a lot of them work and they're just fierce women. It's a lot to live up to. And I think they raised us all really well and the best they could do. And we might complain about them or say we have this because of them or whatever complexes, but they're fierce women. Oh yeah. They really, they raise the bar, but I know what you mean. They're, they set such high expectations sometimes. So that's, that's my issue. Sometimes my mom is like, Oh God, shit. If my mom sees this, she didn't kill me. Yeah. And like at my age and I'm 44, you know, but I'm They're always still worried about you're, you're disappointing gonna be like my mother. They're going to be like this when we're 60. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. 
I guess for me in my 30s, it would have been more, we clashed a little bit more. Now it's like, okay, we clash, but we, we love each other and we are exactly. like. I feel the same with my mom. I feel like since I moved back, we don't do well living on the same roof. But I feel like the older I got, the more of a friendship. And I think we realized we're so identical. This is why we clash. I'm her. There, there's no doubt about it. I'm more her than my sister is. And this is why we clash. But I, I do remember her telling me I'm a good mom. And that for me was like, I know. I've reached the peak. My mom is not the kind of mother who praises her children because she doesn't want it to go to your head. You know what I mean? My God, my so mom focus more same. on the weakness. And I'm her. I do not like... I, I, oh, like when his report card comes out and he's four, it's not really a report card. It's a paragraph. And I just like wanted so detailed and I will send it to my husband and I will detail the two negative points. My sister's like, you're horrible. Like the woman just said all nice things. She said two negative things. Yeah. But those are things we need to work on. You know, I'm a tiger mom and I don't mean to be, and I'm working on it. But yeah, that's true. I know it's exactly what you mean. It's like, my mother's like that. My mother's like, all she like pinpoints is like the you know she wants it to be like perfect but yeah no it's but you know when she goes to her room she thinks you're amazing yeah. that you're dealing with twins well she told me once she told me she's like i think you're such a great mom that's the like, thing i was like no you don't and you know when really? you hear it once you might not hear it again but you've reached the ultimate like i have just gotten a praise from her and then she tells me you yell at him too much i'm like you know doesn't matter. She already told me I'm a great mom. I no, but you know my mother does this. She does the great mom. She said it once. The week after that, she fought with me. She's like, "You're really, you're really being such a bad mother." Like my mom is a softie. Like it's like she'll give them the chocolate and the candy. I I babysat with her. I wasn't married for a long time after my sister had her kids, and there was brushing their teeth and ice cream in bed. That woman spoils them rotten. Really rotten. It's like completely different how she raised me and my sister it's like whatever they want she'll do it it's true i mean of course we weren't we were were not spoiled at all and we did everything from when we were quite young we did we were very independent as girls and she's like babies my kids i'm like mom they're not you know just relax you don't need to give them everything that they want and then but uh, but no she's she but has that's her job the balance, I, guess. I guess it's her job as a grandma and it's she, like they get the fun that. part yeah, she's like, I want the good part. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the d- one who disciplines them. You yeah, discipline yeah. My them. I don't care. Definitely doesn't want to discipline them. It's like good cop, bad cop. She's good and I'm bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always a bad cop. How about your husband? Is he helpful? What ways is he helpful? He is very helpful. I think he's a great dad. I did not have the best dad, so like. I feel when I see him with my kids, it's like I'm falling in love with him all over again. Like, you know, that's a sexy moment for me at this point in our lives. Um, In London, it was really us against the world. That's what I was... Did it get you guys closer when you guys were in London more than here? For sure. sure. And I think it, it was closer even before we had our kid. Like, I would get tired or my lupus would flare and he would go down and get my medicine. And then, like, I moved. I didn't have my blood pressure. I have low blood pressure. He had to go find me my blood pressure... Um what what is it called the machine and 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 things like that and he was just so helpful and and it was you know when one of us is sick even if he's coming home late from work he has to come home earlier before like the pharmacy closes to get my medicine and to come home you're working as a team there's no there's no driver there's no nanny there's no sister there's no family it's just the two of you you're working as a team one is sick the other one is like really there to catch the other person is doing the tea and the soup and you know, he's serving me because like, that's it. That's all I got. And I think when we had our son, it was, I think it was 
definitely we were there for three years it's one of the like the best three years of my life we really worked as a team um it would take us eight hours after we had my child my son when he was a newborn to leave the house and then we had you know you're like breastfeeding and you have like a window and he was reflux and you have to hold him up for 40 minutes and if you miss that window it's like change sleep we're done you know you have to wait for the next window um to organize so i remember we used to go out for picnics and the weather i gave birth in may the weather was nice by june july and it was reading like he would go down to the grocery store early in the morning he'd pack the bag i would do this i'd give him the baby i would shower and it was like teamwork and we went out we were so excited and i'm like it took us eight hours it took us eight hours like we gave it our all and yet it took eight hours but wow. he was super helpful he used to help me at night he would stay home if i needed him uh, if my lupus was acting up we were a team we were completely a team. There was no, you know, there was no other way. So it's good. It set a good foundation. It set a really good foundation. Um, I wasn't working compared to my friends. So I was able to keep up the house, cook dinner. He, my husband took the same lunch every single day for three years to work. Really? Like at the end I was bored. Like I'm like, I need to change this up. You know, he's so routined. And we were in our routine and it just worked. My son slept at seven. If I had time, I'd like watch a bit of shows. I would clean the house, all the toys packed up. I would make dinner and he'd come home. If he wasn't too tired, he would do the dishes because I cooked. Like there was a thing. And if he didn't, I would just like clean up. But like I'm almost a D. I'm like detailing the bin at 12 at night, you know. Yeah. Waiting for him at 11 o'clock to come home. The best time would be come at nine. But we were a team. We did it together. And I really enjoyed it. I think... Coming back to Egypt, he still had the same job in London. He was flying back and forth every week, mainly here on the weekend, which is Saturday, Sunday, which is not our weekend. Yeah. So it's hard to see friends. It was hard for him to see his son who was at nursery on Sunday. So we just had Saturday. And then there's more help. There was more staff in the house, yeah. more family. And he's coming home exhausted. And I think it took us time to rebalance. Yeah, because I think men can get away with doing less here, obviously. For sure. Because I think I had a bit of, I had a bit of a hard time my first year with my husband because it's like he was like just sleeping. We didn't have any help the first year and a half. So I'm like I had the night nurse for the first three months. After that, that was it. Um or four months to be exact. Uh, yeah, but because I sleep trained them. So then after that they didn't need yeah. feeding at night, so I didn't need her anymore. But um but my husband in the morning, you know, the maid would come like probably around 12. That's lunchtime for the kids. Half your day gone. So it would be a nightmare. So I would do everything and Hazem, bless his soul, he'd be like snoring through anything. And I'm like, what's wrong with this man? If I'd go in and, and there are like, two. It's not like one. I, at one point I got really good at feeding them both together and doing all of that. And then I was like, you know what? But then you start to, I started to realize that Trying to be the super mom is not great because you can, I, yeah, for me, I can grow resentment. And at one po- point I started to be like, you know what? I'm going to fucking kick his ass. You know, it's like I started to like resent him. So I'm like, so I'd go to him in the morning, wake up. So of course, like through the snoring, it's going to take a little, little bit of like some force to get him out of bed. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm up. No, you're not up. Up means on your feet outside with me. <laughs> Oh my God, that took like probably a week. And then I, I fucking blew it. I'm like, but I'm like that. It's like, I'm kind of nice and easygoing. And then after all of a sudden, it's like the explosion. And you probably just needed to express your feelings from the very beginning. Yeah, but I'm so bad at that. I'm so bad at communication. So I'm like, 
And then that's it. So he knows I mean business. So then he's after that. He's like up. But I just couldn't. And then, you know, I get the excuse like, but you're the mother. You know what to do. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be the mother. And I, I'm willing to wake up in the I don't know what to morning. do. It, and I don't want to do it on my own. I can't do it with two on my own. No. No, no they're And two. then you're just sleeping there. You're like having a nice uh, sleep. No. <laughs> if we're being tortured, we need to be tortured together. Like, yeah, after a year, he kind of... Uh, no, I, I think... I him straight. Well, I think quarantine helped us. I think quarantine he got to know we have two kids. But he's hands-on. Like, when my daughter was seven months, and everyone's like, you are not going on a vacation for... I don't know, we went for four, six days, maybe? Uh, five, six days. We went to the Robinson. We went with friends. Like, you are not going without help. I'm like, we're going without help. Like, he travels so much, I don't think we realize we have two kids. But honestly, he went, and he was a superstar. Like... When he's in it, he's a superstar and he can do it. And like, I am the crazy, tired, exhausted, yelling mom. And he will come in and he'll make the kids laugh and they will do what he says. And they love to brush their teeth because their dad showed them how to brush their teeth. And it's become a thing. And he's great at getting them to do things. And he makes it into a game that he needs to tell me and inform me. And then my life is easier. But he just figures how to do the fun. And then they do it. That's great, though. And he works, and when he's in Egypt, he works from home. So since quarantine, he's been home. And he reads them a bed book every night. If he doesn't have a call, which is most nights, he, and he'll try to schedule it that, like, from 7 to seven to 8, there's no call, and he reads them a book. And that's his time with them. And with me, I'm there, too. I cannot get out of it. But he's really there. And he wants to be an involved parent, and he is an involved parent. And he will, like... Months in advance, tell me when is his performance, his Christmas performance, and he will schedule it. And Oh, that's so sweet. And he will remind me of things, and he's somehow in charge of vaccines, and I don't know when they take their vaccines. Like, in London, I was in charge. Here, I'm not in charge. He remembers yeah. the two kids. It's in his calendar. And my mother looks at me like, it's strange. Like, how is your husband in such an involved role? I'm like, super dad. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's a great dad. Yeah, he looks very organized, I must admit. He is super organized. Like, we're both anal and both organized that he makes me look unorganized. Yeah. No, but, good, but, but he's a procrastinator. He's late and he's slow. That I have against him. That must kill you. I know, you know, my husband, like, drives me bonkers. Like, when we're, we're out the door, we're supposed to be going out the door. We're now out the door. I'm going to take a shower. What? But that's the thing. When you have kids and they are dressed and they are out the door with their you shoes on. You need to get the fuck out of there you need now. To get out. There is no shower. There is no time. And, 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 and I say to my husband, you're so that my four-year-old now just says he's slow. And my four-year-old is as slow that he just wants to look at me and goes, you know what? Boys are slow. Like he got it. He understood that him and his father are slow. And me and his sister have got it down and we're ready. And she's the kind of girl who, if she's ready and she has her shoes on and her coat, and she's in the stroller or not, is getting in the stroller, she will throw a full tantrum at the door. I was like, why is she crying? Because you're late. You're slowing us down. They've been ready for 45 minutes. Like, you need to get the hell out of the house ASAP. I know, that kills me. I'm like, I, I, I can be thrown in a bad mood. Like, when you get in the car, I'm like all chilled, but he's just so annoyed at me that how annoying I was at him and how much I've nagged to yeah, get so him into the, the car. Yeah, so the whole day becomes an issue about the, how the, you the were day, so I just annoyed with me like, this morning. Just get over it. I'm over it. We're in the car. And you know what I do now? I just take the kids down. I'm like, it's going to take me time to put them in the car seat. I put the bag, now. <laughs> you know, get the trunk ready. So I just look at him like, I'll be downstairs. You know what I mean? By the time 
I'm in the car. And if it's and if I have the nanny with me, that poor woman has to fit between two car seats. Oh my God, yes. You know what I mean? And it's like, let's get the bags. So which bags go in the back? Which ones do we really need in the front? And their jackets and I remove their jackets because in case they get cold, but it's Egypt, they never get cold. You know what I mean? And you just took so much with you. I know, and we're so impatient. I do that too, because like when we go down together and we're putting them in the car seat, for some reason, Hazem has to give them this whole little anecdote while he's t- snap. I'm like, are you still trying to to like strap one of them in? The other one hasn't. The other one is still out there by the door. What do you do? I'm like, it takes you five minutes when it takes me they two talk. seconds. Click. They talk to them at this point, but this is nice. Like they're calm and they're collected and they're making memories and they're enjoying their moment. I'm like, I just want them in the car. I want to sit and put my earphones on and I don't want to hear anyone or I want to drink a sip of water or maybe I didn't take my medication and I need to take my medication, but I didn't do so many things when we were in the house. I need to do them in the car. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to get to our destination now. I don't you're want probably to... half an hour, 45 minutes late. Exactly. So I'm like, what the hell are you doing? No, but I like, I clench my teeth. I try very hard because he, I know he gets so annoyed with me, but I'm like, I'm meditating. So I'm, I'm always... trying to, I'm trying to be a better wife and a better mother and the yelling and the toning down. Really? And it's really trying to help that. No, let's just live in the moment. It's not the end of the world if we're late. It's not the end of the world if we're late, but my parents were so about being on time. And it's the only thing they ever agreed on in their life was that you need to be punctual. My husband does not get that. He's gotten better. He's still bad, but he's gotten better. And he's like, I just don't like to rush. What answer is that? Yes, I know what you mean. I know what he means, though. I hate being rushed. But that's why I tell my husband three hours in advance. This is what what time we need to leave. And this is what time we need to be there. Because he's so bad at time management that now I tell him, by the way, tomorrow at 1 p.m., we need to be here. So he's like, oh, okay. So I'm like, uh... You remembered I told you it's it's twelve thirty. Remember I told you we need to go. The kids are ready. I'm ready. What do you do? Are you, are you ready? So you're not taking a shower, right? Oh no, I'm gonna take a shower. Ah, is his I'm shower like, oh longer than God. yours? Is his shower longer than yours? Uh, yeah, because he has lots of time. I I don't take showers as regularly as I should <laughs> <laughs> anymore. At the beginning, the first year, I was like, I'd even lie about it. I'd be like, I took a shower on Tuesday evening really late so if i take a shower on thursday that doesn't that counts as every day because if you calculate the time and the you know so it's not a big deal but no now i just like my sister's like are you gonna take a shower before we go to no i i took a shower yesterday i'm not gonna take a shower today <laughs> does that, i don't have time i can't i'm not a coffee drinker my shower is my coffee i wake oh, up yeah. and i shower this is it has to happen you know what i mean and my kids are in the room with me I don't know, half the time I don't know what they're doing, but they're in the room with me. Yeah, no, the kids can find you everywhere, anywhere. There is no privacy. They never come to my, they never come to the bathroom, but yeah, when I'm showering or I'm on the toilet, they're there. Or I'm just needed whenever I'm in the toilet. And I'm I'm sure I have a UTI because I don't go to the toilet as much as I often as I should because people need me at all times. And when I'm in the bathroom, it's like, I'm just peeing. It's like, it's not even a five minute thing, but give me that moment. Like my husband works in the room and then he goes, someone's knocking. It's like, I'm peeing. Yeah, I Can't know. Can't I just pee in peace or alone or quietly? I, I once meditated in the bathroom. I could not find space in my three-bedroom apartment to meditate. I meditated in the bathroom. So you, so you, do you meditate regularly? I'm trying to. I haven't in the past two weeks, but I'm really trying. Does it, does it have an effect, a positive effect? I think it does have effect when you do it regularly. I definitely noticed a difference. I, I don't know if my husband would say he did. 
but I have. I think I'm a better person for it or a better mother. I'm really listening to also other things and podcasts that are trying to make me live in the moment. I just have so much anxiety about being on time and hurrying it. And I'm just really coming to realization like I'm really severely yelling at my four-year-old for being late and not putting his shoes on. Why am I losing why am I losing my mind over it? Like he's a kid and you need to let go that we're going to be late and no one's going to die from it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not that, what am I doing? It's not like I'm going to a business meeting or I'm, I'm just getting to the club or his tennis or I'm going to my mom's house. Like what is it that I'm doing? You know, I don't know. I feel like eat Cairo, you're always rushing. Everybody's always rushed. I feel like I'm continuously stressed because I don't like to be rushed, but I'm always rushing myself because it's like I feel like I have a million things to do. And with the traffic and with the noise pollution, it's like you don't get anything. I'm constantly done. on edge and you, it's not like I, I know what it, I know what you mean, though. It's like you kind of get you feel like you need to do a million things. We don't actually really need to do them. And life is not going to you're not going to die if you and, don't. And do nothing's going to stop no matter what I do. And when you're rushing out with two, it's not the same as rushing out with one. Of course, yeah. Because, you know, there are moments. My daughter just went, was it yesterday? She went to the club in her frozen Elsa dress. And I had to convince her that she cannot take her, her baby stroller, her play stroller, with the baby in it and her handbag. And I couldn't get through to her. And my son just looked at her and he's like, leave the stroller, take the baby, take your handbag and sit in your own stroller. And I looked at him like, we're taking too many things. Like, now we're in Frozen. And we have a baby doll and a handbag, but he, he talked her through it. Like he calmed the situation down. Wow, how old is she? She's two. And he is four. four. And he just said, just leave that stroller. It's not worth fighting with mom about, you know what I mean? But I didn't want to go with the baby or the handbag. I could, I hated going out at the beginning a lot of the times because I hated all that baggage that went with, oh my God, how and, I, and a lot of carry. people, but you know what? A lot of people told me it takes you, it takes me like an hour to get, get out the door. I used to be out the door. I'd be like, what are people talking about? I'm out the door within five, 10 minutes, but then I'm out. And then I realized I forgot the water. I forgot the change of diapers. I forgot the wipes. I've forgotten everything. I'm like, what the fuck did I bring? So I look at my bag. I just have my wallet. Like literally, like I would forget almost everything. The snacks. Okay, then I'd be like really, really proud of myself. So I take the water, but I forget the snacks. So no, no, it's just I'm just like I'm actually certain things. I'm a disaster. And how is disaster? My with cousin me. like is up and she's like, I'll meet you at the club on a Friday at nine a.m. I'm like, oh, like Sudan has tennis at nine a.m. and I don't even think I can make it on time. But she or our moms live in uh, together in Montreal and and. She's there at 9.30. It's like, how are you there at 9.30? It's going to take me an hour to pack their bags. And I'm going to my mother. You know what I mean? But I'm, it takes me longer. And she, she has it all together. Honestly. Yeah. She's There's good some that mothers way. that are really good like that. She's really good like that. And I have everything together. It just takes me a bit longer. Yeah, I think everybody's different. Some, I know some women that are... My, my older sister's a super mom. She's like unbelievably good. But, and so I'm always like, you know... Yeah, but then the kids come out easier. Like now that I, I do it like a routine and I follow Gina Ford and I do all this. No, no. My daughter's like, no, we have to read the book here because we read the book every day on the couch in my bedroom. Like you cannot read the book somewhere else and we cannot like have the milk. And, you know, like she's so routine. And I just once said, you know, we're going to shower before dinner. There were two tantrums. They were both having a nervous breakdown because we always shower after dinner. But I'm realizing I didn't mean to do I, the routine helps me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know what's coming, and they kind of know what's coming, but my children are not flexible. 
Yeah. They're just not flexible. Like Zidane was flexible. He slept in different places. Tomara, I left her home a lot. Like she will fight with me. Like I want to take my nap in my bed and she's too and can communicate it clearly. Like you're ruining my day. I want to sleep in my bed. You know, she is not flexible. Good for at her. At all. No, but like we want to go out. So now I just canceled the nap. Like, like, you know, we ain't having a nap today. This weekend, she slept in her stroller. It was the first time in two, since the day she was born that she sleeps in a stroller. She was exhausted. I was shocked. It's never happened. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They really test our limits, don't they? Yeah, they do. Mm. That's why you need a friend to bitch with. Yeah, I know. I don't have, I don't have nearly enough of those. Okay, what is your biggest insecurity about motherhood and how do you deal with it? My biggest insecurity about motherhood is that when I lose my patience and I'm trying to be a patient mother is that I can now see my kids speaking the way I speak to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if your kids are doing this, but my son will talk to me the same way. You know, like, if you don't let me do this, then you cannot do that. And it's like, no, and I, I don't want to threaten him. And I don't want him to be that kind of person who talks to his friends or talks to me this way. So that's my biggest insecurity is that they take all my bad qualities, I think. Or am I, am I failing at this? Like, am I going to screw them up? Like, isn't every mother's insecurity I'm going to screw them up? Yeah, for sure. Especially that you always want it, you always, I mean, me personally, I always think about the things that I was screwed up with growing up, and it's like, I know certain things that were from my parents, and I'm very conscious about not doing those, at least I think I am, but I feel like I'm sure, I'm sure I'm doing other things that I don't see. I think every child, the older I get, is going to say, well, my parents used to do that, and that bothered me. Well, we're going to be that way, but like, I think there's so much with positive parenting these days, and I think that's... Our parents did not have to think about making sure they don't eat sweets and not enough salt. And like, we have so many more, I'm going to call it rules and regulations. We have so many okay? more. It's we true. have so much more to think about that I am in constant anxiety if I had a fight with him or, you know, it went bad. Never does it go bad before bed. Like, even if I fight with him, go to sleep, don't come out of your room. It's like, I love you. I'm proud of you. Most importantly, you should be proud of yourself. You know what I mean? Um, but... I try to do that, like I want him to go to sleep okay, but I'll go to bed upset that I had a huge fight with him and like I said this was wrong or what. So it's second guessing yourself and constantly feeling that you did something bad. It's just guilt and anxiety and no one tells you when you give birth that you're just going to have guilt and anxiety for the rest of your life and that bothers me and then now my daughter looks at him and she goes, Zidane, don't cry. She's two years younger than him. She's lecturing him, don't cry or you're not going to go to the club. It doesn't mean that I'm succeeding, but I'm definitely more self-aware about how I speak because I can see that they're, they're doing what they see and what they hear. So I'm focusing on that, but that's my biggest insecurity. I'm going to screw them up with No, I know. I completely agree with you. I think there is a lot of, a lot of things what you should and shouldn't do nowadays. And I think it can make any mother insecure, any parent insecure. I completely agree. That was like really well said. Being self-aware is like, that's one of the most important things. And I just feel like, okay, if I'm self-aware and I notice what I'm doing, then I'm going to try and be a better mom. And sometimes I pray, I'm like, God, please make me a better mom. You know what I mean? Like, and if I want it so badly, then I'm doing the right thing.
Thank you for joining me for Mommy's Happy Hour. I'm Hippa Shunbo, and this episode was produced by Chirag Desai. You can find us on Instagram at Mommy's Happy Hour, and I'd love to hear from you. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. See you in two weeks.